it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hey wrestling fans, thanks for joining me for this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name's Sean, coming to you from London, Ontario. This week, we look back at the events that happened this past weekend at Smash Wrestling, along with the Smash Wrestling calendar. We'll look at other activity that happened in Ontario this weekend, and then move on to the action of WWE with a look back at Raw, SmackDown, and of course, WWE Fastlane. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast, regardless of where you end up listening to podcasts, and ask your friends to join us. We always love having new listeners, and they can also join us over on Facebook. So we have our Facebook page, where currently we always do the Superstar of the Day, celebrating somebody's birthday, and we're halfway through March Madness, narrowing down 32 of the best independent wrestlers from Ontario to come up with the number one wrestler on March 31st. This podcast is available on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever else you can get your podcasts. Thank you once again for joining me, and I'll be right back after these few short messages. Following the news that the former hottest free agent in pro wrestling, Kenny Omega, is joining AEW, London Comic Con can finally announced that the best belt machine is making his way to Southwestern Ontario for London Comic Con 2019 this October. Omega will be available to meet fans, sign autographs, and host a special VIP video game tournament. More details and announcements are coming soon. Check out London Comic Con for more details. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. 
plus the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Rust Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. And located at 309 Exeter Road, here in London. This is Jim Strider, live from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. We're going to start off with the news and information coming out of Smash Wrestling. Smash Wrestling held two events this past weekend, on Friday night in London at the Fanshawe College, and then Saturday night at the Taste of Tannery in Kitchener, Ontario. I have the results for those two events, plus the upcoming calendar of the other nine events that were recently advertised by Alan Taylor. So let's dive into the results from last Friday as Smash Wrestling returned to action at Fanshawe College when they teamed up with Tyson Duke's Wrestling Factory for Welcome to the Proving Ground. It was one of the largest crowds I've seen at Fanshawe with that being full of friends and family, plus fans of the Wrestle Factory students. I was personally surprised by how many regular Smash talent actually came out to be part of these matches with the students, as opposed to it just being a show full of the students going against each other. So the following are the results from Welcome to the Proving Ground. The opening match saw Pharaoh Bowman take on John Greed. Greed dominated the majority of the match, with Farrell getting some offense in. Bowman scored a victory over Greed with a roll-up. Bowman extended his hand in a show of sportsmanship, but Greed wanted nothing of it and destroyed Bowman before leaving the ring. The next match was a fatal four-way, featuring two of the students, Chris Mitchells and Sonny Bassey, along with John Atlas and Anthony Gaines. The action was fast-paced, with Gaines picking up the victory. After the match, Gaines made an example of Mitchells and made him a new member and follower of Killscreen. London became the debut stage for Nova. She's one of the quickest learners coming out of the Russell factory and proved as much as she took on the first female graduate from the Russell factory, Violet Lee. Violet came out with her new tag team partner, Muscle. Both ladies fought pretty even match with Violet getting the win after the match, Muscle presented Violet with her first chain. Of course, it was made of paper clips. I'm surprised he was able to get in the staples, considering he doesn't wear a shirt. But if you've been watching some of the misadventures of Violet and Muscle on their Facebook page, you'll see that she's wanted her own chain, and she's finally got her sort of training chain, and we'll see how she upgrades over the time. Violet then cut her first in-ring promo and made a speech considering it was International Women's Day and said about all the great women coming out of the Russell factory and how bright the future is going to be. 
The Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Halal Beefcake, took on the team of Josh Pine and Divine coming out of the Wrestle Factory. The students made a good showing for themselves, but it wasn't enough to take down the champions. Alec Realm went one-on-one with one of the pillars, Sebastian Suave. This was a great mix of technical wrestling and high-flying from Realm. As hard as Suave tried to, he just couldn't put the newcomer away. Sebastian even had a temper tantrum moment, just like Christian Cage used to. In the end, Realm pulled out the victory over the veteran. In triple threat action, Jim Strider took on Carter Mason and Kevin Bennett. Bennett would sneak in and pick up the victory for the pinfall. The main event saw a teacher versus student match featuring Tyson Dukes facing off against his student, Fireball Jordan James. James put up a really good fight against his teacher, but this became a case of the teacher teaching the student everything he knows, but not everything that the teacher knows. In the end, Tyson picked up the victory over the upstart James. This was a really good event to start off the weekend, a great Friday night at Fanshawe College, and as I said at the beginning, it was filled with family, friends, and fans of all the superstars and upcoming talent from the factory. So anyone who was nervous on having their first go at it, hopefully got all the nerves out of there. And of course, it's going to get better and bigger every time that they go out there. The nerves are always going to be there. But this was a great first showing for some of the students and also the students being able to show how far they've come in the last year and a half since they started with Tyson. The future is definitely bright for all these students that performed that night, and they're going to be seen all throughout Ontario, not just at Smash Wrestling. So if you get a chance to see them in your area, go out and support these guys. They definitely deserve it. Moving on to Saturday night, Smash Wrestling returned to Kitchener at the Taste of the Tannery for the Spirit Within. I'd like to thank Billy Anderson for sending me results from the show. From March 9th of Smash Wrestling at Tannery, John Creed defeated The Muscle, Joey Allen defeated Sky O'Shea, Suave defeated Aiden Rain, Psycho Mike Rollins defeated Bennett, Jody Threat defeated Nova, Killscreen defeated The Pillars, Hollow Beefcake retained their titles by defeating Wrestle Factory. And Tarek defeated Super K to remain Smash Wrestling Championship. I enjoyed the Smash Wrestling show last week at the community. It was a really packed house, and I give it a 10 out of 10. Once again, thank you, Billy Anderson, for sending in the results from the Spirit Within last Saturday in Kitchener. I'd also like to add thanks to Alan Taylor and videos that were posted after the show on Twitter and on Facebook. Some of the extra activity that happened during the event included Holden Albright coming out from under the ring and attacking the muscle and teaming up with Greed. Greed even took out Violet Lee with a compact pile driver and an elbow off the top rope. Halal Beefcake attacked Mike Rollins after his match with Kevin Bennett, and this set up a match for next weekend in Toronto. 
Halal Beefcake had also attacked Jordan James backstage, and he was James was replaced by Carter Mason. And hacker Scotty O'Shea lost his match to Joey Allen when the Pillars music played, and he was distracted. So up next, in the Smash Wrestling calendar, we'll see how some of the action that happened the last two nights on Friday and Saturday are going to affect future shows, especially those that are taped for the Fight Network. The Smash Wrestling calendar is brought to you by Shockstock, happening April 26th to 28th at the Ramada Inn in London, Ontario. The next great event from Smash Wrestling happens on Sunday, March 24th, at the Phoenix Concert Theatre in Toronto for Tell All Your Friends. This card is going to feature the long-awaited Smash Wrestling matchup of Brian Cage taking on Speedball Mike Bailey. In the spirit of competition, Brent Banks requested a championship match against Tarek, and that's going to happen during Tell All Your Friends. Good luck keeping up with this next match, because Triple Threat Tag Team match is becoming a specialty in Smash Wrestling, and these guys are going to get in on the conversation themselves as Killscreen, represented by Scotty O'Shea and Anthony Gaines, will face off against TDT and the Renegades. Jody Threat is going to take on Veda Scott. Sebastian Suave put out the challenge to the former Smash Wrestling champion Matt Cross, and it was accepted. And they're going to meet one-on-one. Plus, the last time they were in Toronto... Jay Freddy stepped into the ring to face Suave in replacement of Daniel Garcia. Well, Freddy impressed so much that now Tyson Dukes wants a shot at Jay Freddy. After what happened in Kitchener with the Kevin Bennett experience attacking Mike Rollins, the match has been signed where the Kevin Bennett experience is going to take on Mike Rollins, Pepper Parks, and Andy Williams. Kevin Bennett even took time to berate Mike Rollins after the Kitchener show, saying that he has nobody left to be by his side and has zero friends. I guess that's starting to get to Mike, as he recently just put his well-oiled machine trunks up for sale. Pepper Parks is spending more time with Andy Williams in the Butcher and Blade tag team than he is with the well-oiled machines. So maybe Kevin Ben was right, maybe he wasn't. We'll see what happens when Tell All Your Friends has their six-man tag team match featuring these six men. Rounding out the card is Jordan Grace taking on Carter Mason after the recent news of Lufisto needing to back away and consider retirement due to knee injuries. She, Grace was left without an opponent, so she put out the challenge to Carter Mason, as Smash Wrestling allowed her to choose her opponent at Tell All Your Friends. And that happens Sunday, March 24th, at the Phoenix Concert Theater in Toronto. Then, just one week later, on March 31st, Smash Wrestling returns to London at the London Music Hall for Even Louder. After the brawl that took place at Brace for Impact between the Pillars and Killscreen, it's been signed to have an eight-man tag featuring both teams to go against each other. The Renegades are coming to Smash Wrestling in London, and they're going to take on the powerhouse tag team of TDT. As seen at Proving Grounds, 
Lundin is developing the next crop of great female wrestlers, and on March 31st, they're putting them to the test as they all step into the ring against Jody Threat. This is an incredible opportunity for these young women, and you're going to see Nova, Violet Lee, Shiloh, and Jody go at it in four-way action. After being taken out backstage, Jordan James has been given a second opportunity to face Halal Beefcake on March 31st, and this time he's chosen Kyle Boone as his tag team partner. Can the Wrestle Factory kids make their careers in one fateful night, or will Halal Beefcake continue to hold the gold? Rounding out the card for Louder Now will be an appearance by The Butcher and Blade. Carter Mason will take on John Greed, and Speedball Mike Bailey takes on the remix Kevin Bennett. And that happens March 31st at the London Music Hall. Finishing out the Smash Wrestling calendar is April 20th as they team with Barry Wrestling at the St. Paul Center in Aurelia. April 27th, Smash Wrestling goes back to the Franklin Horner Community Center in Toronto. May 26th, right back here in London at the London Music Hall. Then, June 1st and 2nd, Franklin Horner Community Center will be the host arena for the Northern Tournament, this time over two days instead of two events in one day. July 6th, Smash Wrestling goes back to the Franklin Horror Community Center in Toronto, and July 7th, right back here in London for the London Music Hall. Both those events will feature the return of Sean Spears, formerly known as Ty Dillinger. And the last date on the calendar has Smash Wrestling returning on July 21st to the Taste of the Tannery Event Center in Kitchener. Tickets and information for all these events will be available at smash-wrestling.com on their Facebook page, or you can find out information by continuing to listen to our podcast as we break down all the cards as they get presented. Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades, and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October 2017, Tyson opened up the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learn all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. Whether you're a student or a supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. They're just $40 up to extra-large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. Scumbags Wrestling are devout followers and supporters of Smash Wrestling, but we also are aware that there's more wrestling throughout Ontario, and we want to bring you the results that happen every weekend throughout this great province of ours. Unfortunately, I can't make it to every show, and that's where you guys come in. If you happen to attend a local show in your area that I'm not at, feel free to send me the results, whether it's through Facebook page or or emailing me at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and I'll give you full credit for what happened in your local indie show. And that's exactly what 
Jory McConnell did this past Sunday. She attended two shows in Hamilton and made it to both to send me the results. We'll start off with New School Wrestling and their show Hammer at Home 2. Young Love lost to JT Kirk. Corey Stone and Evan Greenway took on the team of Priggy Ricky Wild and Ryan Swift. Greenway and Stone won the match, with Swift then turning on Pretty Ricky. Holden Albright beat Jeff Black to retain the New School Wrestling Brass Knuckles Championship. Sabrina Kyle defeated Alley Cat. Jake Jones lost to Dylan Daniels in the New School Wrestling Open Challenge. Stratosphere retained his New School Wrestling Inner Cities Championship in a four-way over San Andreas. Scotty O'Shea and Taylor K. Dean. Fighter Flight, along with Logan Savage, defeated the team of Locked and Loaded and Solo Ali in six-man tag team action. In an HPW showcase match, Ronchi, Ronnie Randelson defeated Tyler Arrow. And in a grudge match, Anthony Kingdom James defeated Matthew Grants. Then in a no-disqualification main event, Bone Crusher Steve Brown defeated Brett Michael David. No sooner that event get finished, everybody headed over to the next event as Alpha One Wrestling presented Watch the Throne 6. Marjorie even sent in results for this as Willie Mack defeated Josh Alexander. Steve Brown beat Corn Belt Cowboy. Justin Sane picked up the victory in a five-way match that also featured RSP, ECE, Marjorie even made it over to this event and sent in these results. Willie Mack defeated Josh Alexander. Steve Brown beat Cornbelt Cowboy. Justin Sane picked up the victory in a five-way match that also featured Ricky Shane Page, Mark Wheeler, Easy e Danny Adams, and Hornswoggle. The Space Pirates defeated Western Med Connection. With the loss, Western Red Connection is fired from Alpha 1. Lotus won a four-way tag team match that also featured Punk Rock Pussycats, Savage Society, and Fuller House. BMD defeated Cheech and Cody Lane. Kobe Durst won a four-way match that featured Scott Steiner, Josh Briggs, and Chris Dickinson. The main event saw MJF defeat Trey Miguel. After all that, Ethan Page came out and a brawl happened between Page and MJF. It was announced that at the next show, Page and MJF will face off one-on-one in a dog collar match. Thank you for these results, and I'd like to point out that it was brought to my attention that during this weekend, at some of the shows that were attended, there had been some bullying going on, and I was asked to address it, and it was already addressed by a couple other wrestlers on Facebook, but just keep in mind, we're all wrestling fans, regardless of our ability, disability, the way we align ourselves with certain clubs, non-clubs, in the end, we're all wrestling fans. Please respect your fellow fan. Not everybody can be as hardcore as the next fan or even yourself. 
But either way, we're all fans, and we all want to just enjoy the show. So please keep that in mind. It's also been mentioned that if this sort of activity continues, that things are going to be talked to management, and people might get asked to leave the show. That doesn't need to happen for fans. It doesn't need to happen for the talent. We're all there to enjoy the one thing we love, and it brings us all together, and that's wrestling. Thankfully, I haven't seen that happen at a Smash event, and I know that James has usually taken time to address that right off the bat when he welcomes everybody to have a great time. And that should happen at any independent wrestling show that you go to. Let's have some fun. As WDA likes to say, be a star. This weekend's schedule is, seems to be a little light from what I've found, but you can catch Crossbody Pro Wrestling Academy with a show Friday, March 15th at 7.30 in Kitchener. Blue Ribbon Championship will be on the line as Pretty Ricky Wild defends against Crystal Moon. Then, Saturday, March 16th, PWA Wrestling returns to the Alpine Club in Kitchener. The following weekend is jam-packed with a lot of wrestling action, and it starts off with Impact Wrestling heading down to Windsor, along with BCW at St. Clair College for two nights of Impact Wrestling tapings. So on March 22nd, Hamilton Pro Wrestling presents Friday Night Fights, Spring Slam 2. On Friday, March 22nd, C4 presents Reign of Fire, our next big event. Happening in Ottawa, Ontario. There'll be a Four Corners Tag Team Championship Mayhem match signed as Sheldon Jean and Mupp take on Space Pirates, The Fraternity, and Fight or Flight. A Diamond Tiger, Cody Durst takes on the Neon Ninja Facade for the first time ever in singles action. In a C4 Underground Championship four-way match, Jonathan Riken takes on Veda Scott, Cecil Nix, and Stu Grayson. There'll be a three-way match featuring Matt Angel, DJ Z, and Speedball Mike Bailey. Bucks Belmar and TDT go against Darby Allen and Butcher and the Blade. Tyson Dukes will face off against Eric Spicely. And all that is on March 22nd as C4 presents Reign of Fire in Ottawa. March 23rd, Crossfire Wrestling presents March Meltdown at 4 p.m. in St. Catharines. Tickets are $25 for VIP or $20 each, and you can even get a two-pack for $30. You'll see Justin Sane take on Jake Jones, Holly Dead against Beautiful Bia, and Tyler Terva taking on El Tornado. March 23rd, Crossbody Pro Wrestling presents... Let's start a riot at 7 p.m. in Kitchener. Tickets are $15 in advance, or you can get a four-pack for just $50. Tickets will be $20 at the door. You'll see Jimbo Jones take on Jock Sampson, Holden Albright against Mark Wheeler for the championship, Lionel Knight taking on Scotty O'Shea, Mike Rollins versus Pretty Ricky Wild and Benjamin Boone in a triple threat match. Tyler Thomas and Ben Ormans take on the Empire and Space Pirates in triple threat tag team action. 
of Vesto Varlo faces off against Crystal Moon. Von Vertigo takes on his tag team partner, Gabriel Fuerza. Brandon Tidwell, Justin Sane, Jesse V, and Carter Mason will all battle in a fatal four-way match. On March 24th, NWX Northern Wrestling Experience arrives in St. Catherine at 6.30. Tickets are just $15. There'll be a no-disqualification match featuring the Asian Nightmare, Kwong Chang, taking on Canadian bad boy, Tyler Hill. Also on March 24th, Championship Wrestling from Ontario at 2 p.m. at the Rock Pile in Toronto. Tickets are $20. They present St. Patty's Day Brawl. Logan Savage takes on Steve Brown. Quang Chang against Jem. Showtime Brett's goal takes on Toast. And Jules Malone faces Tomer Shalom. March 24th. Greektown 13, Unholy, presented by Greektown Wrestling on Danforth Ave in Toronto. The relentless John Atlas will take on the Beast King, Frankie TM. In a fail four-way match, we'll see Gushinder Singh, Sonny Kiss, Bill Collier, and Josh Alexander battle out. A dream encounter for independent wrestling fans everywhere as Kobe Durst meets DJ Z. CW legend Little Guido comes to Greektown to meet Jock Sampson in a Sicilian street fight. RJ City will take on Space Monkey. In a best 203 falls match, Jazz returns to Greektown to defend the championship against Alexia Nicole. The fraternity will take on the unholy alliance of Mikey Whitbrook and Tajeri. It's Greektown 13, Unholy, featuring ECW superstars Jazz, Little Guido, Tajiri, and Mikey Whipwreck, each having their own special meet and greets and autograph signings for a special price. Check out Greektown for more information. That's March 24th on the Danforth in Toronto. And wrapping up this week's calendar is March 24th. Alpha One Wrestling presents We Are Legends in Oshawa. On this card, you'll see Ethan Page, Eze, Holden Albright, Kobe Durst, Josh Alexander, and Mustache Mountain member Trent Seven. It's been your Ontario Independent Wrestling Update for this week. It's coming. The All Night Freighter from Shockstock. Happening April 26th to the 28th at the Ramada in London. Right here in London, Ontario. If you're not here in London and you have to be in Montreal, Ottawa, or Toronto, you can get on board the bus. Get your tickets now for Shockstock 2019 Horror Bus. It departs Montreal with stops in Ottawa and Toronto. Limited seats are available and the last rooms will be released as well. Get yours today. Plus, don't forget, photo ops are also available now. Get a professional photo with one of their celebrities, including an in-costume photo with David Howard Thornton as the Art of Clown and Terrifier director Damien Lorne. 
The only way to get a pic with Art in full costume is with one of these photo ops. Other guests scheduled to appear are the one and only Tim Capello making his way to Shockstock. You'll see Beelzebub, Matt Putrid Carr, plus many more guests. It's Canada's original and best horror weekend, Shockstock, the all-night freighter, happening April 26th to the 28th at the Ramada in London. Go to purchase.growticks.com for more information and buy your tickets. Normally at this time I'd be recapping the news from around the wrestling world, but because of there not being anything really from AEW and even Impact, a lot of the news has come out from Fallout from Fastlane and Raw and SmackDown leading up to WrestleMania. So I'm going to save that for the end of the show and we're going to recap what happened this past week as this past Sunday, WWE presented Fastlane 2019. It was the last stop on the road to WrestleMania, and a lot of the action has replications for WrestleMania. I will say Fastlane was a mixed bag. Some of it was good. Others were just scratched my head going, what is this last second booking and impromptu matches that are going on? But it got to where we need to go. The pre-show of Fastlane saw the New Day defeat Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. There was also supposed to be a match between Andrade and Rey Mysterio. However, there was a petition going on backstage with Carmella trying to get R-Truth into a title match for the U.S. title against Samoa Joe. And somehow it all got turned into a four-way match later on in the uh, pay-per-view for R-Truth, Rey Mysterio, Andrade, and Samoa Joe to all face off against each other. So there was only one match on the pre-show. And we also saw at the end that somebody approached Kofi Kingston and said that Vince McMahon wanted to see him about the WWE Championship match. And that was before... Xavier and Big E went out for their match, so Kofi wasn't at ringside, and everybody was hoping that this meant that Kofi was going to somehow get inserted into the title match or be awarded the title match at a later date. Nobody knew what was going on, but there was hope that Vince and Kofi were going to end up talking. The opening match of Fastlane saw the Usos take on Shane McMahon and Miz, for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Miz came out wearing Cleveland colors. The team was together. The Miz's dad was at ringside. However, that really didn't matter. Shane took a lot of the beat down. Miz got the hot tag, but it didn't matter too much because he missed a frog splash that got rolled up into a pin by the Usos, and the Usos ended up retaining. The main story of this came at the end, where Miz was feeling really bad to get, about getting pinned. Shane had gotten up as he had set, put himself through a table already uh, with the stupid move of an elbow drop. And they were able to get up and shake it off. And Miz was feeling so bad. And Shane was saying, it's okay. They went over to Miz's dad. And they had a conversation with him. Next thing you know, as they're leaving, Shane ends up turning on Miz and beating him down. 
Now, this was kind of expected, but in my case, I thought it was going to be reversed where Shane was going to be the face and Miz is a natural heel. And to do it in front of his hometown in Cleveland might have even given him more heat by doing it. However, this actually gave Shane the heat since they were beating down the hometown boy. Of course, this is going to lead to the expected match at WrestleMania between Shane and Miz. Elias ended up making a few appearances throughout the night, making fun of The Miz, made fun of Kofi Kingston. He just was somewhat of a host of Fastlane in this uh, respect and didn't have a match. Asuka ended up defeating Mandy Rose, but it was somewhat a quick match, and for whatever reason, Sonya Deville kept on looking underneath the ring for maybe a weapon or something, and unfortunately, that sort of played against her friend Mandy, as Mandy Rose ended up slipping on the ring apron that was inside the ring when Sonya flipped it over, and Asuka took advantage and got the victory to retain the SmackDown Women's title. As expected, the Boston Hug connection of Bailey and Sasha Banks defeated the team of Tamina and Nia Jax. At ringside was Beth Phoenix doing some of the commentary for the match, and afterwards, Tamina ended up confronting Beth, and they ended up getting into a brawl, and Nia got into the act, and so it was a 2-1-1 confrontation. Natalia tried coming down to rescue her friend, and she got taken out as well. So they're setting up something involving Beth Phoenix returning to the ring to team with Natalia to take on Nia and Tamina, which kind of takes away from the tag team of Sasha and Bailey, unless somehow they end up obviously needing to go over to SmackDown now and defend the titles against somebody over there, most likely the Iconics. In a really good three-way tag team match, the Revival ended up defeating Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, plus Ricochet and Alistair Black, and it was sort of like a NXT TakeOver-style three-way tag team match on a WWE main card. So even though the champs had looked bad on Raw, on this pay-per-view of Fastlane, they actually got the victory, but then the faces ended up taking out the heels which kind of is opposite logic, which I don't understand, but the Revival are still the Raw Tag Team Champions. At one point, we did go back to Kofi Kingston, who apparently was waiting for his meeting with Vince McMahon for over an hour, and finally he got to go in and see Vince, who questioned why he didn't see Kofi sooner. So there's some shenanigans going on there with Vince and Kofi, and the delaying of a meeting and whatever. And New Day pled the case. And Kofi was told to go to the ring. He had a match. And he was thinking he was going to be in a triple threat match. As Vince said, the WWE Championship will be defended in triple threat. And as he sent him out. But then when Kofi got out there to meet his opponents, it turned out it was going to be a handicap match instead as Kofi had to take on the bar. Obviously, that didn't work out so well, and Kofi got squashed by the bar. There was also a brawl with the New Day and Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev in the aisle as well. 
Samoa Joe ended up retaining the U.S. title over Rey Mysterio, Andrade, and R-Truth. The unfortunate part is this match really didn't have much oomph behind it because it did follow the tag team title match. So fans might have already been burned out from seeing a really good triple threat tag team. The one thing that did happen was Vince kept his promise about the WD title being defended in triple threat match rules. And so we saw Dan O'Brien come out against Kevin Owens and Mustafa Ali. Fans were expecting to see Kofi Kingston still somehow get put in there and weren't overly thrilled about Ali being there, even though he has a lot of momentum from also getting a pin over Dan O'Brien. But unfortunately, it seems almost a little bit like how a few years ago where they expected a lot from Batista, but because the fans were rallying behind Dan O'Brien at the time, it didn't matter who you were. If your name wasn't Dan O'Brien, the fans weren't going to support you because they wanted Dan O'Brien. Now, in this case, fans want Kofi Kingston. And Mustafa Ali was the right person in the wrong place. In the end, Dan O'Brien did retain the WWE Championship. And we'll see where that takes him on his road to WrestleMania in just under four weeks. We saw Becky Lynch take on Charlotte Flair, where if Becky won the match, she was going to end up being put into the Raw Women's Championship with Charlotte and Ronda Rousey, making a triple threat match. And a lot of people are expecting that to be the main event of WrestleMania for the first time closing on a women's match. Well, they went back and forth and Charlotte took advantage of Becky's injuries and even got Becky into a figure four was about to try and put it into a figure eight when all of a sudden Ronda Rousey came running down to the ring and balled up her fist and hit Becky right in the chest. This caused a disqualification on behalf of Charlotte, giving Becky the victory as Ronda stood smugly knowing what the result was going to be. And so now Becky is in the match. It will be a triple threat at WrestleMania for the Raw Women's title. The last ride for The Shield was the main event of Fastlane as The Shield, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and the first match back for Roman Reigns took on the team of Corbin Barron, Bobby Lashley, and Drew McIntyre. It started off with The Shield being at a disadvantage since there was still a sign of maybe a little dissension between the S.H.I.E.L.D. members with Dane Ambrose had done his turn and the fact that Roman Reigns hadn't been in the ring for almost six months. When the S.H.I.E.L.D. did get some momentum, Ambrose and Rollins were doing dives all over the place and they ended up putting Lashley and McIntyre out in the crowd and they brawled all over the place. Rollins jumped off a high banister because, of course, Rollins would jump off something high like that started doing a Jeff Hardy thing, and the match went back to the ring. In the end, Rollins hit Lashley with the stomp, and the Shield also put McIntyre through a table with a triple powerbomb. And at the urge of the fans chanting one more time, the Shield hit a triple powerbomb on Baron Corbin. Reigns ended up picking up the victory, 
and the three hugged immediately and then did the uh, shield fist before posing and celebrating with the fans to end the show. This show to all the fans of the Buffalo Brothers, Daniel Garcia, Puff, Kevin Blackwood, and the remix Kevin Bennett. As you all know, in early January, they were on their way home from an FLQ show in Quebec, and just before they got home, they hit some ice on a bridge and spun out, causing a horrific car crash. Thankfully, we've already seen the likes of Puff and Kevin Bennett make their way back to the wrestling ring. We're still waiting on Kevin Blackwood and Daniel Garcia to do so as well. However, it's a longer road for them to recover, and expenses are piling up. Initially, there were some GoFundMe pages created for them, and a lot of fans donated, and it is greatly appreciated. However, since then, not much has been said, but for the month of March, we're going to continue giving back to the Buffalo Brothers with our draw for the autographed t-shirt, Scumbags Wrestling Podcast logo that was signed by the ladies of the Canusa Classic in October when they were here for Comic-Con, plus... For the month of March, I'm throwing in another offer that if you buy a Scumbags Wrestling t-shirt, whether it's our original logo or our podcast shirt from Twisted Tees, I'll be donating my profit from that also to the Buffalo Brothers Recovery Fund. So all month of March, you can give back to these guys and help them get back on their feet and back into the wrestling ring. Tickets for the draw are 3 for $5 or 10 for 10 I accept e-transfers for your payment for tickets and will be doing the draw just before the WWE Hall of Fame on April 6th. And for t-shirts, they're just $25 and you can order them either directly through Twisted Tees or through me and we'll get them ordered in time for April. Help support the Buffalo Brothers as they recover and return to the ring. Up next was Monday Night Raw, where there was a lot of things that definitely happened on that show as follow from Fastlane that was setting up for WrestleMania. This was supposed to be Roman Reigns' first match back in singles action, uh, but Drew McIntyre ended up interfering and causing that not to happen, and Seth Rollins helped Rowan to the back to get checked out by trainers. It, the main event turned into Dean Ambrose asking Triple H to go one-on-one against McIntyre with a false count anywhere stipulation, and so the night closed off with them going around the whole arena and eventually to the stage where the commentary table was, and McIntyre hit a claymore on Ambrose with his head right in the railing, and this could have been the sign of Ambrose being done, and so they don't have to find a spot for him at WrestleMania, and his contract will just fade away at the end of April, or it's setting up for something else. But if it is a send-off, it's definitely a way of doing it right now, and so the question mark of where Ambrose is going to be is done until further notice. Raw was also the site of the face-to-face against 
Triple H and Batista. And Triple H got in the ring. He called out Batista. And Batista made it out. But then he got some security in the way on the ramp. So that Triple H couldn't go after Batista. And Batista said, even if you came after me, I'm going to leave and you're not getting anything. And then there was this really weird back and forth. Batista yelling, give it to me. Just give it to me. And Triple H saying, no, no. And then finally giving in and said yes. And Triple H has agreed that they're going to face off against each other. But Batista said that this he wanted one last match against Triple H to retire. But he also wants to retire Triple H himself. So who knows what's going to happen on that one. But Triple H did say that it's going to be a no-holds-barred match. One can only hope and pray that it's not too long of a match. Considering what happened in Saudi Arabia the last time Triple H stepped in the ring, he tore a muscle, and he did complete the match, but these two guys should hopefully go no more than 15 minutes. Ronda Rousey continued to be a heel on the fans and just said that she's looking forward to taking out Becky Lynch and Charlotte, even wanted to make it a 2-on-1 handicap match because that's how confident she is on wanting to take out the two halves of the four horsewomen. This ended up bringing out Dana Brooke, who gave an impassioned speech of loving wrestling and wanting to do everything that she can to be the best that she can. And she knows that she has a lot of improvement to do, but she loves wrestling so much and just wants a chance against the champion since Ronda usually defends the title the next night after a pay-per-view. Dana Brooke also said that she wants to become a household name like Ronda Rousey is, and then they ended up getting into a fight where Ronda quickly took out Dana Brooke with the armbar. But before the armbar was put on, Ronda stopped and said, you're going to have to pay $60 to see me put an armbar on. I guess she doesn't realize that the WWE Network is $9.99 in the U.S., at eleven ninety nine here in Canada. Bobby Lashley ended up winning the Intercontinental title from Finn Balor after Finn got distracted by Leo Rush, who ended up ringing the bell and stealing the title. But the match wasn't over, and Lashley ended up hitting a huge spear on Balor to take the title. At the beginning of the show, when the Shield had finished making their address about being together and what happened at Fastlane, Roman and Dean left Seth in the ring to address his upcoming match at WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar. That allowed Paul Heyman then to come out and confront Seth. There was a video shown of Brock Lesnar and how he's able to take out some of the bigger guys like Strowman, Goldberg, Reigns, Owens, and a bunch of others. And it didn't really show his difficulties that... Seth ended up pointing out on how he had problems going against smaller guys like AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, and Finn Balor, and he counts himself as their stature and figures that Brock is going to have a hard time going against a smaller opponent at WrestleMania, such as himself. Heyman, though, pointed out the fact that Brock didn't have a lot of time to prepare for his smaller opponents 
when he was expecting to have bigger ones than what he ended up getting. And the time of the match changes was why the difficulty was for him to not overcome as quickly as he has in the past. As this banter was going on, Seth was attacked from behind by somebody who knows Brock Lesnar really well from Minnesota and his former tag team partner in OVW, Shelton Benjamin. And this led to a Shelton Benjamin-Seth Rollins match, which Rollins ended up getting the victory over Benjamin. Alexa Bliss had a moment of bliss, and she was supposed to announce who the host of this year's WrestleMania was going to be, and she mentioned former hosts such as Kim Kardashian and The New Day and The Rock. She missed out on the host of Hulk Hogan doing uh, WrestleMania a couple years ago, but her big announcement was Alexa Bliss herself was going to be the host of WrestleMania 35. Alistair Black and Ricochet ended up defeating the team of Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. The Revival got involved and left a parting shot to the victors at the end. Strowman ended up getting a car as an apology by Colin Jost for what happened the week before. And, well, Strowman didn't take too well to it and pulled everything off the car and put it into pieces. Plus, Kurt Angle made an announcement that this year's WrestleMania will be his final match. But since they were in Pittsburgh, he wanted one more match in Pittsburgh. And Apollo Crews ended up answering the challenge and lost in under two minutes to the Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. Over on SmackDown, people were wondering, why did Shane McMahon turn on The Miz? Well, Shane started off the whole night and even brought out the best in the world trophy and said basically everybody's trying to ride his coattails and that included the miz and he had enough of that and that's why he had to turn on the miz randy orton and aj styles had a confrontation in the ring and orton questioned how smackdown is the house that aj styles built when he owns the house and his rent is due so they had a really good interaction between each other and AJ pointed at the WrestleMania sign, surprise, and we end up getting that match happening this year at WrestleMania, which could be the sleeper match of the whole program and steal the show. There was an eight-man tag team match with the Hardy Boys, Ricochet, and Alistair Black taking on Nakamura, Rusev, and The Bar. The four teams are going back and forth pretty good until the New Day stormed the ring and took out all eight competitors, basically in a vicious attack to show that Kofi Kingston and the New Day meant business. Asuka ended up taking on Sonya Deville, and it was just an opposite replay of what happened two nights earlier when Mandy Rose took on Asuka, and the ring apron was put up, and Sonya slipped on it just like Mandy did, and Asuka got the victory. They teased more dissension between Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, which totally took any heat and momentum away from the women's championship that Asuka holds. So, I don't know. The Iconics ended up cutting a promo, wondering where the Boston Hug connection are, as they claimed that they were going to visit all 
the brands in defense of their tag team titles, yet they've only defended against Raw members of Nia and Tamina and made an appearance on NXT, yet they haven't shown up on SmackDown yet. So you can expect to see possibly the Iconics challenging Boss and Hug for the women's tag team titles at WrestleMania. Becky Lynch came out to the ring and made fun of Ronda Rosie and how she's gotten under her skin, so much so that she ended up baiting Ronda into doing what she did at Fastlane and getting her into the triple threat match against Charlotte and Ronda. Then Charlotte came out, they had some confrontation between each other, and they're setting the table even further for their triple threat main event. Dana Bryan and Eric Rowan end up defeating the team of Mustafa Ali and Kofi Kingston. And then there was a in-ring segment with The New Day and Vince McMahon. Vince claimed that he had a conversation with Dana Bryan, who, oddly enough, considered Kofi Kingston just a B-plus player. Seems kind of reminiscent of what happened about five years ago at WrestleMania in New Orleans where Triple H and Stephanie didn't think that Daniel Bryan deserved a title shot because he was just a B-plus player. Well, now we're doing that again, this time with Kofi. Xavier and Big E pled Kofi's case for him as Kofi just stood silently looking at Vince the whole time. Then, when given the opportunity, Kofi pled his case and said that he's been with the company 11 years. He's missed a numerous of holidays with his family and he's not there to complain he just wants to know what he can do to get his title shot because as Xavier and Big E said that he earned it he deserved it and Vince doesn't think he actually earned anything Vince says that he doesn't owe anybody anything and no matter what happens he's not going to get a title shot Kofi said that he doesn't ask for anything, he doesn't demand anything, he's not going to beg for anything in WWE, unlike guys like Shane and Randy who feel they're entitled to having things given to them. And Kofi likes to rather express gratefulness and countless blessings for everything he has and has been able to do for himself and his family. So Kofi ended up looking at Vince in the eye and said to him directly, tell me what I need to do. Vince's answer was simple. He has to run the gauntlet next week on SmackDown, and that gauntlet includes Randy Orton, Samoa Joe, Sheamus, Cesaro, and Eric Rowan. The only downside to this is Vince didn't say Kofi would get a title shot against Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. He just has to run the gauntlet as proof of what he's willing to do. So one can only hope that this doesn't get dragged on any further. And after Kofi ends up winning the gauntlet, thanks to some interference, I'm going to bet by AJ Styles during the Randy Orton segment of this and whoever else gets involved that he's given the title shot at WrestleMania without it coming down to the wire of like the last week before mania on two Oh five live. We got closer to determining who was going to be 
the number one contender for Buddy Murphy at WrestleMania, and there was the semifinal matches involving only Lorcan losing to Cedric Alexander and Drew Gulak beating Tony Nese to advance to face off against each other next week. And NXT was setting up the finals of the Dusty Rhodes Classic. Mustache Mountain lost to the Fortunate Sons, and Aleister Black and Ricochet took out the team of Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. At the end of the show, though, Gargano and Ciampa were at the top of the stage and it looked like Ciampa was about to throw Gargano into the set again, but Gargano reversed it and put Ciampa through it. Unfortunately, this has a lot of replications for what's going to happen at NXT TakeOver and some items in the news. It's the news that everyone's been talking about. Chris Jericho's Rockin' Wrestling Rager at Sea Part 2, the second wave, is getting ready to go. Along with thousands of the friends of Jericho and me sailing across the ocean to have the best vacation of a lifetime. I want to tell you right now, the hottest wrestling promotion in the world today, All Elite Wrestling, will be there. That's right, some of the greatest rock and roll bands in the world. Some of the funniest comedians on the planet. Paranormal experiences where you'll be wondering, is this really happening? Well, the answer is yes. It is really happening. And so is Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, Part 2, Second Wave. Sign up for all the info for this all-elite vacation now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. I want you on board Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea so we can all sail away, man! We'll see you there. Oh, yeah! It's a path to the And now let's take a quick look back on the news for this past week. It's kind of quiet, as I said, on the fronts of AEW. But Ring of Honor is going to have their 17th anniversary pay-per-view tonight and then do some tapings on Saturday night in Las Vegas. The pay-per-view will be available on Fight TV. Lance Storm will be taking part at Sinclair College next weekend as part of the TV tapings for Impact Wrestling. He'll be at Sinclair College on March 22nd and 23rd, and he seems to be open to doing more dates if things work out with Impact. And, of course, with him being close friends with Don Callis and probably Scott Demore, this is a perfect opportunity for more Canadian content happening with Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling is also going to be doing their pay-per-view at the Rebel next month in Toronto, I believe the date is April 28th, followed by another TV taping the following day. WWE announced that this week's inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame is Harlem Heat. This marks the second time that Booker T is going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, but the brothers started off in Global as part of the Ebony Express before moving to WCW and debuting as Kane and Cole. They eventually dropped those uh, names and started going by Stevie Ray and Booker T. They got paired up with Sherry Martell and Colonel Robert Parker at one point and eventually became 10-time tag team champions in WCW, even with a little breakup in between where 
Ahmed Johnson or Tony Norris, whatever he wanted to be called at the time, joined Stevie Ray. I don't think that incarnation of Harlem Heat is going to be included. It's just the original with the brothers. They also joined Tori Wilson, Honky Tonk Man, and D-Generation X. That being Shawn Michaels, another two-time inductee. Triple H, Road Dog, Billy Gunn, China, and X-Pac. There's talk that this year's Hall of Fame will be cut down a lot shorter than the last couple of years, with no induction speeches from friends or family. Plus, the inductor speeches are going to be cut down to 15 minutes. So with having DX there, that's going to be a chunk in itself, unless they're giving a little bit more leeway so they can all say something. But that might mean 15 minutes for... People like Honky Tonk, Harlem Heat, and Tori Wilson. We all know that last year's speech with Hillbilly Jim went on way too long, and it could still be going on for all we know right now. But that's another story, and hopefully they're able to cut things short. As announced recently as well, Tommaso Ciampa had suffered a neck injury that he was trying to work through until after WrestleMania. Unfortunately, that didn't work out too well. And with everything that happened at the end of NXT this week, the tapings for the next couple episodes leading into TakeOver were filmed on Wednesday. Without giving away any spoilers, Triple H came out and addressed the vacant title and said how things were going to play out leading up from that night to TakeOver. And you'll be able to see that all unfold this Wednesday on the WD Network. And that brings us up to the final note, being the updated WrestleMania 35 card, happening Sunday, April 7th. We're just over three weeks away from this event happening, and just sizing up the card as it stands right now, and what potentially still needs to be filled I don't know if they're going to be able to fit everything into even seven hours that we're expecting probably to have between 5 p.m. for a pre-show and ending around midnight. This card is really stacked at the moment with already seven matches scheduled and a lot of people are left off it at the current time and a lot of titles are missing from being defended. So this show is going to have up to, I would say, at least 16 matches on it. And with a pre-show starting at 5 o'clock, and that lasting two hours, I'm not sure if even that going up to midnight is going to be enough time for everybody to make it onto this WrestleMania card. What is currently confirmed is the fact that Brock Lesnar is going to defend the WWE Universal Championship against the Royal Rumble winner, Seth Rollins. Ronda Rousey will defend the Raw Women's Championship in a triple threat match against Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair in what's expected to be the closer of the whole event in the main event. Then, Buddy Murphy will defend against the tournament winner of the number one contenders tournament happening on 205 Live between either Tony Nese or Cedric Alexander. And they'll be challenging for the Cruiserweight Championship. Triple H will take on Dave Batista 
in no holds barred match, as Dave has said that he wants to retire with one last match against Triple H and also retire Triple H. Speaking of retirements, Kurt Angle will be having a singles match as his retirement match against a yet-to-be-determined opponent. Shane McMahon will take on The Miz as that tag team has now exploded and AJ Styles will go against Randy Orton one-on-one. Currently, they still haven't announced the Andre Battle Royal, the Women's Battle Royal, Women's Tag Team titles, either of the two men's tag team titles from Raw or SmackDown, the Intercontinental title, the U.S. title. There's no John Cena match. If Undertaker's going to be there, there's no match for him yet. And there's so many other people left off this card that obviously we're going to see some multi-people matches, possibly even a tag team ladder match since the Hardys are back together. And that could be the SmackDown title tag team title match but that's still a lot of matches plus we're expecting Roman Reigns against Drew McIntyre like I said we're looking at at least 16 matches if everybody's going to make it on the card and all titles are going to be defended I have a feeling unfortunately some of the titles whether it be U.S. and Intercontinental might not even make it into the main show and be put into the Andre Battle Royal. With only three weeks left to build up to WrestleMania, they had to put this character together really quickly and fill it out the rest of the way and put all the other pieces in place of who's doing what. And that's been your current news for this past week. You hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression and fundamentals are being made at the Wrestling Factory. This is Tyson Dukes, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast, y'all. Thank you once again for joining me on this week's edition of the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe, whether you listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast platform. We're here, we're wrestling fans, we're covering Ontario, we're looking at WWE, and you can also join us on our Facebook page and vote for the March Madness Tournament Breakdown, narrowing down 32 of the top Ontario superstars to the number one star in Ontario. If you'd like to be a part of this podcast and attend an independent wrestling show anywhere in Ontario that I'm not at, please send me a message with the results, whether it's by text or by voice, to scumbagsofwrestling at gmail.com. I'd love for you to be a part of this show and help give a bigger spotlight to all the wrestlers within Ontario and the different organizations. So until next time, thank you once again for joining me. This has been Sean, and I'll be out until next week. Have a good one.